Welcome to Blockbusted, the movie review podcast where two adolescent boys building a pillow fort exclaim, no girls allowed. I'm Mitch. I'm Max. And today we are looking at Carrie and the Exorcist Believer. I meant to mute myself. I was going to do a bit and I accidentally muted you. <laughs> you have to unmute yourself. Wait, so I, you can't even just unmute no. me. Once I'm muted, I have to do it myself. Yeah. Uh, that's really annoying because I had timed it perfectly to say, Believer, I I barely know her. <laughs> uh, I was going to do a bit. Like, I'm just going to do the bit again. All right, you do your okay, bit. Okay, okay. I'm just- yeah. Excellent. Hi. We better not get sued by Mike Old- Oldfield, who did I- Tubular Bells. Yeah. Yeah. Today's theme, spooky girls. <laughs> Max, what's your <laughs> affiliation with spooky girls? No. What's my, what's my no, 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 no. That's, not, that's not the question. It was a joke. That's I'm, a joke I'm, question. I'm, I'm sponsored by spooky girls. That's my affiliation. The spooky, the spooky girls in my house are cheering. Sounds like a really weird CBS show. No, I was actually going to ask. I was going to say we're two weeks into the the spooky season, and I'm not just talking about tax time. <laughs> uh, that's not, a joke. It's not tax time. I still, I also stole that from a different podcast as well. It's, so it's um, it's not we tax do time. tax in July. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, it's Halloween season. We've we've only two weeks in. We're now just getting to the horror films. And I think next week we're out of the horror films again anyway. So we've got four horror films this season planned. Dear listeners, and you're listening to two, two of them um, right now. Exciting. Max, Halloween. Are you feeling spooky? Am I, I'm always spooky. I'm like... I'm, like an existential I this, sense? I got the or? spooky juice. You know what's really spooky? Mm. The realization what? I just had that you're drinking a Pepsi and tea at the same time. No, I finished the tea. Oh. It's just Pepsi now. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were drinking like mm, one sip of tea, one sip of Pepsi. Mm. No, no, no. I finished my hot drink first, I am the, I am the, and now I am I'm the drinking mon- my cold drink. I am the monster that lives on your bed. I mixed, I, I mixed my caffeinated beverages. Uh, one of them's not caffeinated enough to count as caffeinated. All right, darn. Tea is not caffeinated unless you're drinking green. In which case, yes, there is enough caffeine there to be worrisome if you want to go to sleep at an appropriate time. But also don't come at me with that shit that caffeine in tea is the same amount as coffee. I've looked at the research. It's not true. I'm very, I'm very animated about this topic. But Halloween spooky girls, that's that's our theme for this this week as we look at Carrie, one of the quintessential spooky girls, and also a legacy sequel to the original Exorcist. I guess it would be, yeah. I don't know why I said the, the Exorcist. Original. It's just the Exorcist. That's what I said, The Exorcist. But it's to not the, the Exorcist. Yeah, it's the, but like it's implied that it was the original one. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I don't know why I said original. Yeah. Yeah. 
The Exorcist Believer, both of which featuring Spooky Girl. I it, it, we've explained it too much now. Uh, it's spoiler it's, alert! It's, it's religious Spooky Girls. Yeah, one of them. Uh, we'll get into this in the trailer. Actually, the trailer. We don't have a trailer. We have a section in the review. I was going to say, fuck, whatever, let's go. Come on, first film, carry. Oh, wait, no, you want me to play the theme? I need you to put, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, professional. Carrie, directed by Brian De Palma and released in 1976. It stars Sissy Spacek, Sp- Spacek, fuck, Sissy Spacek, Piper Lowry, Amy Irving, John Travolta, William Catt, and Nancy Allen. I like that I can muck up white names too. It proves I'm not racist. I'm just dumb. Max, what's the film about? Um, sorry, my brain just turned off for half a second. Don't worry, um, I got you. It's about a chick. She gets she gets powers <laughs> and then she kills people. Um, well, I mean, I did it. <laughs> Carrie is about, uh, or Carrie, based on the Stephen King book of the same name, is about a girl uh, named Carrie or Carrietta, I think it was. Is that her full name? I must have missed that. It is said in one scene by her weird mother. Do you reckon reckon that was just the actress throwing something in there to get an extra syllable and that was never scripted? I I genuinely don't know, but it's about this girl and she gets bullied at school because she's been sheltered by her abusive mother. I love that we have this like running theme through our podcast about abusive parents now. Well, to be fair, a lot of films are about abusive parents. Anyway, her mother's like a weird, religious, abusive Catholic, and then she gets bullied because she doesn't know what a period is, and then she gets telekinesis. <laughs> that's that's the film. Did she have telekinesis before her period? It's unclear because the period happens in the first scene of the film. Yeah, I think I think she had it beforehand because she's not freaking out from it. I think. Yeah, but, she, but then again, uh, it would make sense if it coincided with the period, though, because like puberty and shit, which is what kind of one of the themes of the film is just puberty. And then the other theme is religious stuff. And then the last theme being don't bully people. It's mean. And they may kill you if you don't, push them don't too far. Don't bully people. They will um, set your school on fire. Is this a school shooting film? Like way before they really start like looking at it? No. Is this a film about don't bully people because they may become school shooters? I I really don't think that. No, I no, no. It could be. I I don't think so. Why not? A (laughs) feels incredibly insensitive. Well, yeah, doesn't. I I don't believe. Okay, but also like I just I don't think that's what the movie's about. I think it's about like a weird creepy girl. Her, a spooky girl, even. Spooky girl. Mm. Um, her, you know. She's actually not that spooky for she, most well, of she's the not, film. Yeah, it's really only the end of the film. It's the end spooky. when Sissy Spacek, 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 Spacek uh, she does, she does a really good bug-eyed look. Yeah. And it's, 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 she's, I mean, okay. Everyone in this is really good. I don't really know any of the actors in this except for John Travolta, which was a shock to the system to know he was in this for both well, of us. He's in it for like five minutes. But he's still in it. Oh, no, he's, yeah, he's in it enough for it to be like, oh, John Travolta's in this. Because I know I saw him, his name in the credits and I went, is that the same John Travolta? Whatever, because there'd be another one is insane. 
But then I also, I had it paused when you came over on Prime and you read that John Travolta was, because Prime has that thing where it says what actors are up when you pause the film. Yeah, I still don't know why it does that. I think it's a good thing. I think more streaming services to do that because it gives you, if depending on the film, it gives you little bits of uh, trivia as well. And I like little bits of trivia, such as, I actually don't have any trivia. I was hoping I could make one up on the spot, but I, I panicked and I couldn't think of one. Uh, uh, Sissy Spacek had to have a uh, needle with that anti-allergy stuff shoved into her because she was allergic to the fake, the latex pig's blood. Yep. I'm glad they didn't use like real pig's blood. Yeah, it was latex. That makes sense to me. No. What did, did you like the movie, Max? It was in Twin Peaks. Was she? A lot of people Hi- were in Twin Peaks, Hi- actually, Hi- I think. Hi- I think a few um, people in this were was in it, Twin was Peaks. In, was in Twin Peaks. Oh, yes. Sorry, Piper Laurie. Okay. So I thought you said Sissy Spacek was no, in Twin Peaks. No, not Spacey Sapek. Spacey Sapek? Spacek. Sissy Spacek. Uh, yeah, Piper Laurie is in Twin Peaks. I think she's one of the more important characters as well. She's pretty big. Yeah. Which is why she gets the and, I believe. Like, you know, when they say and, Piper Laurie. Yeah, the, like, the, the, the like and credit, yeah. Yeah, the and credit. The, the, the honorific and credit. But did you like the film? <laughs> I did. I had a lot of fun with it. I love, I really like this era of horror that's like, it's definitely not a scary thing to watch in a, in a contemporary context, in a contemporary horror context. To be fair, um, arguably the modern horror film we watched was also not scary. Um, this is not a commentary on any specific film, but I think there's really like, uh, there's a fun sort of like campiness to be had with this kind of film. And I think, in a way, this it kind of has a lot of fun with with the way that it does things, and it is a bit silly about it, even if it wasn't meant to be. And I think that makes it enjoyable as a film to watch now. Like, do I think it's an effective horror that's scary, that's invoking the like fear of God into me? N- no, did I though, invoke I, fear into you of God? Well, I mean. I think originally when this came out, it would have been a bit of like, because like 70s horror, what do we know about 70s horror? It's a reaction to teen culture. It's a reaction to like godlessness um, of the 70s and 80s. It's the like fear mongering, the more, the the um, sexual freedom sort yeah. of liberation wave of feminism. And it sort of like ties into all that sort of stuff. So we get this but movie the, where, but the God fearing person in this film is a lunatic and also gets messed up at the end. No, I get that, but I think also like it's implied that like she's right. It's implied that Carrie is a pawn of the devil, and that the is it in, like I don't think so. Is it? I think it is. I think that was the. I think I, that's how I would read the original intention of this film. Because I, I mean, I looking at Stephen King's work, who wrote it, the original book. Have you read the book, by the way? No, I read it ages ago, so I can't really talk too much on it. So it was a long time ago. But I don't believe he. I I don't think because I thought that the devil's thing was just an explanation that the mum gives, and the mum is clearly someone we shouldn't really look at as a sick person because well, no, she's a, okay, sick as an S I C, sick. She is sick in the head, 
but she's not cool. She's pretty uncool even. And because she says that Carrie is a pawn of the devil and all that, which makes me believe that Carrie isn't a pawn of the devil. And it's more that she's because she even says so that she says, look, uh, uh, there are other people like me who who are like this. And it's it's a, in the universe. It's a scientific thing. It's not a, uh, a, a a devil worship thing. Yeah, I know. But it's still playing into the tropes of that that era of horror. I don't know. It's it's just because I don't think it's. I think it's playing into the tropes. You're correct, but I don't think it's something that rides directly alongside with them. I think it used the tropes to create a film that would get people to watch it because they'd say, "Oh, look, it's the sick trope where someone gets messed up and the blood in the guts and all that." And people are like, "That's gore," and they go and see it and they watch this film and they got what they were looking for because they got the blood and the gore and all that. But the movie itself wasn't the preaching of if you have sex, we're gonna screw you up, or if you yeah, if you drink alcohol, we're gonna eat your face and and yeah. munch it up. Yum yum yum. I love eating I, faces. I think what's interesting about this film is like. I went into it not knowing a lot other than like, oh yeah, it's a Steve, movie based on a Stephen King book. He does like spooky stuff. He's a spooky and, guy. And it was meant to be like, oh yeah, it's like this classic horror movie. But, you know, two thirds of the movie aren't a horror movie. Two thirds of the movie, like a teen drama. Um, it's, it's the teen drama slash like kind of more a thriller type thing of... Yeah. Because I think like, a lot of people, oh, actually, I don't know about back then, but nowadays we, I think, I don't know if you knew this, but like the the classic ending... Were you familiar with that? Like how it's it's pretty iconic that Carrie gets dumped with blood and then yeah no yes yes I, and, I then, was, and then I she goes nuts. Refer- yeah, I I thought you were referring to like some concept, like some film concept that I hadn't heard of. I have no idea. Oh, like, you mean like like the, the classic the, the, the classic mark? ending as no. as like a perfect the like platonic ideal of cinema no <laughs> no that's not what i meant no i meant carrie's classic ending it's iconic yeah no i yeah. i am i i am, I am yeah. aware of that um yeah and so i feel like i don't know if back then it was that iconic but nowadays i feel like a lot of the tension comes from us knowing that eventually she's going to be pushed too far and we're mm. waiting for that to happen so sorry but you were also still talking no about no, no that's uh, but i i i agree and i think like Again, it's a tricky thing to talk about in terms of like it being a horror movie because I think even once she does get to the past that point, it's a it's a dated film and there's no way to avoid yeah. that. It's it's a it's a horror film from the seventies and horror dates more poorly than almost any other genre. It's quite reliant on some special effects that some of them are great and some of them just aren't. There's a good amount of practical in this, at least. And at least yeah. in that way, it's still hold. You can still see it as, oh, it looks pretty good because it's practical. It's not like well, it's, it's, it's special it'll, effect, it'll yeah. be all practical effects. But when oh, I'm talking yes. about like the like hose, for instance, when the hose comes <laughs> and like starts yeah. like shooting water at everyone, it's it's a bit, it kind of comes across as a bit silly. and It looks like a um, Muppet snake. Yeah, and there's not really any way to avoid that. It's it's no. an artifact of its time, and, and I think that's something that we have come to appreciate about horror from this period is that you get a little bit of that silliness to it. But I, I think, yeah, it's interesting, especially compared to like other franchises from that time because like this isn't a one-off film. It was had, it had a legacy sequel and then was remade twice. Um, Did it? Yeah. I had it had a, a legacy sequel. It had a legacy sequel in 1999. I have no idea. Called Carrie to the Fear. 
who who stuck around for that one? I don't know if anyone did. Oh, it, okay. It's yeah. like new cast. There's not. It's not actually doesn't reference Carrie. Uh, they just use the name character. It's the, sorry, the Rage Carrie Two. It's, it's it's meant to be a sequel. It's a it's originally didn't have connections to the movie, and then it's like the half sister of her. Like it's weird. Half and then there was a tw- 2002 TV film, and then a 2013 film, the Chloe Grace Moretz and a, and a musical, that. and like yeah, it's had a couple of incarnations. It's probably one of Stephen King's more famous works because I mean he's got a bajillion. Uh, I mean it, it's it's Stephen King's one of those authors where it, I I really I really do strongly believe it, it, there's a the average person knows more st- works of Stephen King than they realize the like the yeah the like like obviously talking about Carrie it um. If I say one that's not his, I'm going to look like an idiot. So I'm going to be really careful. I'm on. I'm on the ready. <laughs> I'm on the ready to call you out. Um, the, the shining, the shine. Yeah. I, okay. Yes. I want. So the shining and Doctor Sleep. I was like, yeah, I'm sure that's him. No. Um, that's him. Uh, yeah. Dark, the Dark Tower. He 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 didn't that whatever the, other the stuff Mark Flanagan did when he was the doing stuff for one. Netflix. Mike Flanagan didn't do his. He only did Doctor Sleep. No, he did another one. He, he, no, Mike Flanagan's other stuff wasn't based around. Like, are you talking about like the Fall of House Usher and then Haunting on Hill House and then the Haunting no. at Blind Manor and Dark? I'm the, thinking uh, of the, the dark, Black Black else. Mass, not Black Mass. No, I can't remember. There was something. Oh no, he is doing that. He's doing the Dark Tower series that's coming out. So he hasn't done it yet. I feel like he was doing he did something else. Anyway, point is Stephen King has a very large body of work that's very well respected because a lot of it is quite good. A lot, a lot of it's dog shit though. Because <laughs> he wrote most of it when he was high on cocaine in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. And this movie actually didn't come out too long after the original book was published. I think it's about three years after the after the book was published. So it's a seventy three book? Seventy three, seventy four. I think so. Seventy four. Oh, so like a, it's like quite, a two-year turnaround. Quite a quick turnaround. 200-page book. It's a short book, yeah. Compared Comparative to his other work, it's a short yeah, book. Yeah, compared to, what is it, The Jewel? Um, is that the one? The famously long one that is- Do you, do you mean a, Cell? No. Do you the mean Stand. The, the Stand. stand. Yeah. I meant The Stand. Well, I mean, um, it itself is like a thousand pages as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got like the massive Dark Tower books Dark that- yeah, there's like each, yeah. a few of them. There's like a, 10 of those. Three of them are normal size, then the rest get to like the 500 page mark or something. What are we talking about? I Yeah, so I think a lot of this film isn't actually like a horror film. And mm. I think that actually does a service when like looking at it in a sort of retrospective context. Um, yeah. Because I sort of like went into the film in anticipating it might be a little bit scary throughout. Yeah. But- also was going, it's a horror film from the 70s based on a Stephen King novel. It's probably going to be a little bit cheesy and a little bit campy. And the fact that it was more like sort of teen dramery, I think has helped it like be a movie that is like does still hold up in that context. Like has some staying again, power. 
yeah, again, I don't think it's a scary movie, but I don't think it needs to be. Um, mm. I think there's enough like dramatic pull, and then the the obviously the the twist, the breaking point of Carrie, and the fact that even that's a bit silly and that's a bit like sort of like there's a fakeness to it all it sort of still feels like the payoff it needs to be because um you have quite a long setup to to what it is and 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 i don't know i think i think it feels like a a, a good payoff um what did you think well yeah i so i i liked it i in preparation for this episode i'd seen some de palmas before and i went to watch some more just to have a better understanding of his uh film work and he has this and you mentioned how the payoff of this film was really good and that's pretty much like what every single department film i've seen so far has done is just the films <clears throat> the film leading up to it will be pretty not not chill it's he has he makes really stressful tense films and also that are kind of these thriller things and everyone's really sweaty all the time. They're always so sweaty. I don't know if you've seen the first mission impossible, which is one of his, everyone's really sweaty, dude. It's sweatier than, than me in this. Where could I be? That I'd be super sweaty. The desert sweatier than me in the desert. Yep. And so, yeah. And so this, this film has a really good, has really good payoff. And I think, I think everyone, all the acting is really good, except John Travolta was kind of distracting in this i don't I, think I, I don't know if it's that like he's it's like him distracting because his character is out of place or rather than it's it's distracting because it's like huh that's john travolta oh he's giving that girl a blowjob the fuck he's giving the girl a blowjob yeah that's- no the other way around <laughs> i mean he can give a girl a blowjob i'm okay with that I was just I I didn't remember that in the film. I thought he got the blowjob. No, it was very it was very much a mixture of oh, John Travolta is getting blown off, and but now also he's a psycho and just murdered a pig with a sledgehammer. Yeah, good good on you, Johnny. I'll see you in Greece in three years, baby, or whenever Greece came out. I thought Greece was earlier, actually. Was Greece earlier? That's insane. That's an insane thing, then, because that means he had a leading role and then he picked this side role. As a psychotic, I thought Greece was the eighties. Watch me be so wrong. Oh no, it's seventy-eight. So two years later. Okay, so I was also wrong, but I said three years. I wasn't too far off. So yes, he he has so many has charting discography. This is so weird. I I mean, I watched. There's another Dove Harmo. I'll I'll tell you what it was. It was it was Carrie into Saturday Night Fever into Greece. That would do Um, it. That would do it. The guy who directed Saturday Night Fever was like, you know what we need? The guy who murdered that pig with a sledgehammer. <laughs> what was his name? John. John something. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so it's just, it's it's really good. I really liked a lot of the allusions to religion. I thought that was a really cool through line, even though I don't believe that De Palma or Stephen King wrote a book that was by a book wrote a story and then directed that same story independent of each other kind of ish to Bible bash or anything like that. I think it's more, it was more a commentary on toxic toxicity of faith, I guess, or just, I think the also like there's, there's that, like there's a inherent relationship between, I'm sure we'll get into this for the next film as well, but uh, well, inherent why wouldn't relationship- we do that? 
inherent, inherent relationship with the ideas of like religious guilt and um, horror as a genre, and then also the effect that like religion has had specifically in the American psyche and how that influenced how horror was portrayed. And I think like a lot of horror, especially from this time period, was very much like influenced by the ideas that they were doing that like these kids were doing things that were sinful or inherently evil um, and were punished for it by an act of God or an act of the devil or whatever you want to call it. And I think, like, as you were saying before, this, the, this story sort of like doesn't inherently conform to that, but still like uses those tropes and ideas to root the story in um, something that is understandable to the audience. And yeah, I think, then you act, then you get to play around with this, some of this religious um, cemetery, religious like symbolism. Yeah, I know it's basic, I, but I love the mom getting like strung. I was, up I was, when cross. you said when you said religious symbolism, I was thinking of that exact same thing where she gets stabbed a bunch of times and she's got the hands pinned in yeah. the same position as the cross. And yeah, and then and it like even you, just just to make sure you understood because I was a bit of an idiot. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Oh, okay. Just make sure you understand. They even cut to the same like statue that's in their closet of Jesus stabbed a bunch yeah. of times and with with the arrows yeah. in the same spots, like in, in the, the same spots. The, yeah. Um, down the chest and just in case um, you didn't understand just like me i actually didn't understand <laughs> i was kind of dumb i i was a bit tired when i watched it as well so but i, I think like even though it's like maybe it's a little ham like heavy-handed i uh, i uh, honestly i think sometimes you can get it's a away camp with horror that. it's a camp horror it's like it's a good camp horror and you know what i mean it, it's yeah. it's a, it, it's a good fun time brian de palma makes fun films except for scarface that film is three hours long and it's so boring but his other films he makes are really fun and they're exciting and and this is maybe not fun and exciting till the very end when this stuff happens but it's still fun it's still you know you get to you get to the, you get i don't know you get to watch teens being teens i do kind of want to talk quickly about the the start in in the locker. Oh, good, good. Um, I'm glad that uh, you brought that up because otherwise I was going to. Yeah, this is a thing that I think the Palmer is kind of a bit of got an issue with. I mean, it's not just the Palmer. But let, let me can, let me can I, can I explain? But, but as I go forward, I mean, obviously in that era, women were being objectified, still are, but like in this really explicit sense in film especially in horror horror was hard for it horror was hard for it in like five years in 1980 1979 you're going to get the first friday the 13th film which is going to spawn basically a, a a whole like nine to ten films with just women taking their tops off and then getting stabbed you know not not brilliant brilliant but with the palmer there's there's this weird thing he's he's got this really voyeuristic gaze like at the start of this one of his films called blowout which also has john travolta in it i think i mentioned it like 10 seconds ago uh john travolta plays a sound guy for films but he he's working on really shithouse slasher films with you know the classic the, the boobs around and all that stuff and it's it's a as I think I read somewhere that it was actually a uh, a go at John Carpenter and like Halloween because Halloween was kind of where the slasher started and all that mm-hmm. as well and so he has that he has a film which 
unabashedly apes off of Rear Window, which is about a guy watching someone else's house through a telescope. But in that one, instead of the guy seeing a husband murder a wife, he sees an actress just get undressed continuously, but then accidentally notices that some power line guy's been watching her really weirdly. So it's, and then it turns out that guy's actually a stalker and intends to kill her. And I think he does. Spoiler alert. I didn't finish that one. And also, I watched it three months ago on a couch dying from a hangover. Anyway, point is. He, this what's it, De Palma has a serious like he has a track record for this type of stuff and then in this one it felt kind of extra weird because there is all very un, underage people I mean obviously yeah, the actors so themselves like, aren't underage I but ha- I have to yeah. imagine that they're they're all like uh adult actors but I would so hope it's so. like it's it's like the first thing that we're introduced to in this movie is like here is a whole locker room full of people who are meant to be teenagers. Well, with we no get, clothes on, we get like maybe fifteen seconds of volleyball, and then oh, sorry. We get this. So yeah, can you? I also want to. I also want to point <laughs> out they were not playing volleyball correctly. There were definitely four touches, and it was still counted as a live ball. Someone also count saw that there was nine people in the on the opposing team side to carry. So the scene people were going over. We could see nine people, and yet the ball got served off the off the shot. So that means there's a tenth person on that um on that field. <laughs> but anyway, yes, you were making a point. <laughs> yeah, um, I wasn't really. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, do you mean to put you on the spot there? No, it's it's just a little bit uncomfy. Um, I was, I mean, you, this is the argument that it's meant to be. But I also don't I mean, believe that justifies I, it at all. I don't think it, it's meant to be. I don't think that is the part that's meant to make you uncomfortable. I think it's meant to be like she's like got a period and she's freaking out, and that's meant to make you uncomfortable. And she's vulnerable and naked, and yeah, and then that, that bit's like meant to be like, oh, look at look at the vulnerability and look at the helplessness and all that sort of stuff. But the like the pan like the panning shots of like. The like dolly shot of like mm, look at all these naked women. It's like, these nubile young girls. It's like mm, I'm not comfortable right now. Yeah, it was an interesting uh introduction to this film. Yeah. I just wanted to to mention it and I yeah. you wanted to mention it too. <laughs> it's I think it's very much a relic of the time, mm. I feel. Uh, don't do that in modern horror future no. directors who are listening to our podcast don't do that it's bad also give us a job when you when you when you get your directing job give yeah. us jobs when you get your license to be a director yeah you have to take a director's test it's like a driver's yep. test but you have to drive a camera well that's deep is it I don't know I don't believe so. Maybe. I just want to kind of mention, because when you were talking before about how, or how I was, we were both talking about it, this film uses classic horror cliches and iconography to to get people, to give people familiarity, but then kind of does its own thing with it. It's very similar to what a lot of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like the A24 horror 
like I, it's, it's it's got a word for it like not uplifted it's um not aggravated it's not what is it it's it's like it's enlightened horror do you know you know what i'm trying to say no it's shit i can't remember what the, it's like a specific type of horror where it's horror that's not like a slasher or a ghost or something like that it's it's more it's it's more uh 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 deeper it's more deeper and meaningful like existential and horror it's not called existential horror because it's it's like enlightened horror or something hold on i'm gonna have to look this up category horror genres on wikipedia a transcendental horror what is a 24 horror called elevated elevated horror, horror. ah <laughs> or art horror yeah, elevated horror is what I was trying to say. Enlightened horror. Yeah, it's also works. referred to as art horror or art house horror. Mm. So, because what they do, there was one I watched recently. It wasn't A twenty four specific. It was a it was an Australian film called Relic, uh, released in twenty twenty. I think it's a Stan original or something like that. So, I don't know how people who aren't in Australia will watch it. But it's about a. A, a, a matriarch of a family falling to dementia or succumbing to it. And the film itself is, it's a basically a haunted, haunted house horror film, but it's, it's all, it got all these underlying currents of, you know, dementia and how it, 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 mm. it uh, corrupts and all that. And, and, and so it just made me think of like, Carrie was kind of like not on the same level and not on the same arts, artsy way. But it's kind of like mm. a proto version of that in that it's using familiar horror stuff to tell a different story about kind of abuse and stuff like that, which other horror films in the era did as well. But, you know, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, just having, I'm just having a little, a little look on the wiki, the Wikipedia. And it's about just got elevated a list, horror. Uh, yeah, about elevated horror and like some examples sure. that they've got. So um, for oh, those yeah. who aren't, who still aren't on board about what we're talking about. Um, yes. This sort of starts with things like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari um, through to really. Is that the um, Gamera Dottora one? No, this is from the 1920s. Oh. Um, like Nosferatu, Hitchcock's Psycho, mm. um, Night of the Living Dead by Romero. Come to some more modern stuff because that's kind of when this. Rosemary's Baby, A Razorhead. Come to more modern. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, Donnie Darko, which we reviewed. That's not horror. It's no, but it's that sort of like horror esque. No, because I'm horror. thinking, I'm thinking more of stuff like Men or um, well, that, that's, Summer that's, or this her, is what Hereditary. This is yeah. what it's showing. So, like, this, I'm again, I'm reading off this Wikipedia list. So, like, yeah, Men by Alex Garland. Um, Nope, which we looked at. I guess anything that Jordan Mid, yeah, Midsummer or, or Alex um, Garland. The Lighthouse, the remake of Suspiria, Mother by Darren Ar- Aronofsky, John, and yeah, all of John Peel's stuff, The Babadook, Caroline. Caroline? Yeah, I'd call it. I'd call Caroline that. Fight me. I didn't like it. I didn't um, like Caroline. The Neon Demon. Oh, yeah. That's the guy who did. I think that's the guy who did Drive, I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong, but yeah. Point is, I just think it's, it's really cool. Yeah, he did you know, drive. I love. You you see like a lot of you know people talk about elevator horror, but and it's just interesting that it goes further back than I think a lot of people appreciate and understand mm. it too. I mean, obviously, I don't think yeah you read it. Uh, I don't um, think you read Carrie out in that. And I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> I I didn't. But I do want to I do want to 
point to another Brian De Palma film from 72. Hold on, let me guess. Um, called it's... Sisters. Oh, damn it. I didn't, I didn't um, see that one anyway, so I don't know it. Uh, yeah, sort of psychological horror sort of thing. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think this is sort of like on the verge, not quite that sort of art housey horror, but um, sort of like getting close to where it is. And um, De Palma is like also one of the directors who's more well known for that sort of style. He's just a really good director. <laughs> He's just really good. I like him. I mean, I'm talking out of my ass because I'm reading a Wikipedia on the corner going, mm, yes, I knew all of this stuff beforehand. <laughs> well, let me tell but you. me, I know about really uh, Jacques Tournier who made Cat People. Cat People. I know about Curious. Claire Dennis. Oh, yeah. What'd she do? Beau Travail. Is that French? Uh, the title is. Sounds bad. Then. So is she. Whoa. No way. Uh, Panos Cosmatos. Are these, are these all French people? I don't really care about No, this guy was Italian-Canadian. Sure. Uh, Abel Ferrara. He looks like... Um, but Abel's a dude? Yep. Oh, Mabel kind of sounds like a feminine name. Maybe I'm thinking of like Mabel. Mabel's a... I think you're cause, thinking cause, of Mabel. Because then I'm thinking of that one show. He, uh, his first... This Adventure is great. Time. His first feature film was a porno called... That's, what, the, that's like what uh, Quentin Tarantino did. The ni- Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy. See, that's actually kind of clever. Wow. <laughs> so what did you... What did you rate the film, Max? <laughs> I... <laughs> Sorry. I gave Carrie three times I went, hang on, aren't those aren't those meant to be kids? Uh and and the same thing, but an off screen blowjob out of five. Is this is this why you wanted me to well you wanted at least one of us to bring up the It was one of the reasons. Yeah, cool. Uh I gave it pimples, butt crack hair, and a roulette wheel that decides your emotional state at that point in time, aka three horrors of puberty out of five. Yo, 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 I'm back. He's back, and he's ready for Max and Mitch's mini-media. This is going to make sense, I have to because that means you have to keep in the yo, yo, I'm back, and I wouldn't keep that yeah. in, so... Uh. Okay, do, this, do, do it again. I'll just yeah, we'll it. just do it again. All right, you're in. Hey. You keep cutting me off. Um, guys, it's time for Max and Mitch's mini-media. Yeah, that was the right one. <laughs> you want to try it again? Third time lucky? You know what time it is. It's time for Max and Mitch's Mini Media. Ah, oh, music to my ears. Max, you requested to go first this round. Why don't you go? I did request because um, this week I didn't watch anything or read anything or listen to anything or do anything that consumed any amount of media because I've been busy. So, I had to scrape the bottom of the barrel once again. I know I said this last week, but I'm real digging. I'm like, if the barrel is there, I'm like five foot five feet below the barrel in like a hole I've dug out with a spoon. Why a spoon specifically? You know how in prison movies, like they dig out of the prison with a spoon? It's just the iconography we're going for, nothing yeah, else? Yeah, okay. no. And... What I would like to introduce you to is something I was introduced to, in fact, a, a mere hour or so ago. Just, just in time. 
just a little, uh, it's a little show. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's called Dance Moms. For people who may or may not be me, can you explain the concept of the show? So I haven't watched much of this. This will make con- make context sense in a bit, but my understanding is some crazy people take their daughters who are very good dancers to another crazy person who yells at them. And then somehow that becomes television. And can you explain to me why crazy people who are in positions of maternal power would perhaps be uh, on brand for this episode? Well, it's, it's actually very funny. You see, because, I was sharing a clip, and maybe maybe I'll I'll send it to you so you can watch it in your own time, Mitchell. Oh, excellent! Um, but I was sent a clip of a uh, segment from uh, season five. It's it's in fact clips from two episodes of season five, uh, where Jojo, who you may be familiar with, Jojo is Siwa. This, just gonna say, is this Jojo Siwa? It is Jojo Siwa. Gargo Juice performs a dance inspired by the movie Carrie. Oh my goodness gracious me. How does that work? Exactly. No, okay. So the 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 dance is it's just like a dance. It's just dancing. Like it's fine. But she's got like a prom dress on and there's like fake blood and a tiara and stuff. Oh cool. Um, and the boss dance lady who I've forgotten the name of I have been informed her name is Abby Lee Miller. Classic. I heard Harvey Lee Giller, but all right. She chose the the dance and had requested as like homework mm. Jojo watch uh, the movie that we have just both watched. I think Jojo is meant to be like 10 or 12 or yeah. potentially younger. I don't mm. know. I'm not good at judging the age of children. I've been t- I've been told by my informant that she was twelve. Okay, no, I can see that. That's fine. That would work. So she's been asked to, as a twelve-year-old, watch this film mm. as homework, and then she goes to the dance competition and does the dance and places fifth in the dance competition. Did Did she do the homework? Well, she watched the trailer. Was it for the correct? Wait, what year was this? I don't know, and I don't know which carrier it was for. I'm sorry. Because I was going to say, because I was going to say, if if it's before, if it's after 2013, it could be the Chloe Grace, Chloe Grace, Chloe Grace Moretz one. Mm. Um, but no, she uh, didn't watch the movie. She watched the trailer, and her mom explained the plot to her. Oh, no wonder but, why she came fifth. But she came fifth, and so Abby, the person who's I, yelling at her. It just yells at her about not doing that and like is just she yells at her a lot about how she like isn't trying enough. I thought Jojo looked good, but as she danced, she didn't take us on this emotional roller coaster. Probably because she never watched the movie. You should have watched the movie. When you're given an assignment, you do it. When I'm in a hotel room and a scary movie, just... No, we're not going to do it. I'm not going to have her be scared for the next six months because she watched the movie you wanted her to watch. Like, we did the dance. We watched the trailer. I told her what it was about. It's kind of just fucked up, mostly. I think 
how did we as a society decide this was a good idea for television? It was related because it's like, oh, it's Carrie, but also like the themes of the show are about abusive parents. And yeah, that was it. That's my mini media. Ooh, yay. My mini media sounds like it was a lot better this week. So going against type, I went and saw another play. <laughs> Uh, this time a musical though. Uh, did I? Oh, he's he, he thirsty. Oh my god, he's thirsty. So thirsty. I'm so thirsty. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll I'll get off the screen if it makes right. you less thirsty. Oh my goodness. Oh, there we go. That's free ASMR. Next time you have to subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. Uh, no, I went and saw a, a musical. Which is against type for me, because first of all, I don't usually do live media, and second of all, I don't usually do musicals. But one of my friends from work, she is in a uh, a, a theater community group, and they put on Oliver. Oh, yeah. And so myself and a couple of my friends who I invited to come with me went and saw Oliver, and it was a great time. I had never seen or read Oliver before, any version of. Do you like have read Oliver Twist, haven't watched the movie? No. Nah, no. Nah. I've I know the story. It's I mean through cultural osmosis. Yeah. I know I knew two things. I knew he was orphan and I knew, please sir, can I have some more? Little did I know that food glorious food comes from this. I thought that was just a song from Ice Age 2. Nope. No, that's this is where that song also comes from. I did from. not know that. There was another couple of songs that I also went, oh, is that from Oliver? And I, yeah. they're, they're, they're escaping my mind now. So I didn't realize there was so much iconic stuff from it. But it was fun. It was really good. Um, it, uh, like, like, what am I trying to say? It it was it was just a, it was just a really good time and you know it was a community theater so obviously it, if you compare it to like a, a, a high end Broadway musical it's not gonna manage it but there was like a lot of just heart to it and you could see that everyone in it was enjoying themselves and everyone was just having a great time I recognized someone from my high school in it and I was like wait is that someone from my high school and I pointed it out to other people. Because the other friends I went with were also from my high school. And I said, is that the person from high school? And they're all like, yeah, that is the person from high school. And we're like, Whoa. and then there was a whole list of people we could have just looked at and be like, yeah, that's the person from high school. But anyway, it's just fun. No, it was great. Um, my friend, I didn't actually get to see my friend because, well, I did. So, this is a bit of a story. I didn't get to see my friend for most of the play because she was the conductor. She wasn't actually on stage. Mm, okay. But she did come up at the very end to bow along with the rest of the like the major cast and crew and all that, which is very funny because in in the final we're all kind of like clapping along like clap 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 you know that one and yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. everyone's doing their bows and all that and at certain times different people will clap a bit harder because they recognize someone that's bowing or so you know you know the classic mm. it's if you've been to theater I, you know what I'm talking I, about I have uh, participated in the musical theater variety. yeah you get it especially if it's like a community one where people yeah. who are going usually are familiar with the people on stage and all that and so that that was what was occurring and someone came on stage dressed in black clap bowed and then left and my friend turned around to me and said why didn't you clap harder for because he also works with me and he recognized her and i went oh fuck was that <laughs> because i was she has oh wait beep out the beep out the fucking i'll do it i'll beep, beep out the name 
Can we do that again? <laughs> uh, but she has blonde hair. Uh, okay. Sorry. I was looking for purple hair because she has purple hair, which is very noticeable, as I'm sure you can imagine. But her hair blended into the black of the curtains. And so I didn't see it. And so I forgot to clap harder. I felt really bad. But it was good. And I'm glad she invited me. And I'll probably go again with the same, because like the, the same group, we all enjoyed it. I think we're just going to, we're going to go again just for fun. Just keep going each year. That's like a yearly thing until we find a reason not to go, which I can't see there being one. Unless my friend uh, who was in the, who was in it, uh, insults me somehow, but it's unlikely because I'm insultable. You can't insult me. Insultable? I'm uninsultable. You are insultable. I'm uninsultable. Oh, you can't ins- No, you can insult me, but wait. So are I you, don't- if you're if you're uninsultable, does that make you saltable? I mean, I sweat a lot, and that's pretty salty. Hey. The Exorcist believer. And then I saw her face. Directed by Menace to now two different classic horror franchises, David Gordon Green, and released in 2023, it stars Leslie Odom Jr., Anne Dowd, Lydia Jewett, Olivia O'Neill, and Alan Burstyn, and Lydia Blair appear for a combined 10 minutes. They were from the original film, if you didn't, yeah. yeah. Max, what's The Exorcist Believer about? So, do you remember Believer? The- Barely know her. Um, so, 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 are you familiar with the original Exorcist film? I've seen it, yeah. Good, because I haven't. So this is oh. gonna, this is gonna be completely contextless. So, um, I'm just gonna put that right here, right now. Uh, just, just as a forewarning. I thought you so, had seen it. No, I have not seen the original Exorcist. Maybe I just assumed you would do your research before seeing this film. Uh, no, that's egg um, on my face. My bad. I'm sorry. Why I would you ever assume that. I do research, Mitchell? No, two true king slay. The Exorcist believer, believer is about uh, two people who do a little bit of cultural appropriation, and then some time passes, and one of them's died. But that is a spoiler. I guess we are doing spoilers. So one of them dies in an earthquake, but it's also pregnant. And That happens um, like at the very start. That's not a spoiler. I know, but it's important and it feels like a spoiler. I don't know. But cool. the child is like, oh, I want to be I want to know who my mother is because I be I where know, the people she are. doesn't know how to communicate with her dad. So she and a friend who we actually don't know at all, but it becomes an important character only after the events of what I'm about to describe happen. I uh, go into the woods and then uh, get possessed and rock up in a barn three days later. And then they're possessed by the devil, like in the original exorcist. And, and they become spooky girls. And then they become spooky girls. And then they do the exorcism. They don't do it. One that's done yeah. to them. Well, the ex- exorcism is done by the people in the film. Hmm. That's a movie. This movie it's, sucks. It's not good. It's so bad. It's so bad. And 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 just like I wasn't expecting much going into it. And I'm just like, why did I watch this? Like why because I told you to. It made me question why we were doing this in the first place. Like, it's like, oh, is this what we do now? We go and see like Absolute garbage trash movie. Oh, this happened. We what's the another name? Another garbage trash film. We've deliberately gone knowing we're gonna go see a garbage trash film. And don't the say Meg the Meg 2. and the Meg Two because those were fun and you know it. 
There was another one that I didn't Ants like. Ants doesn't count. I wasn't talking about Ants, and I actually like that one. Camp Rock. Yep. That was my fault. That was funny, though. Well. As well. Ish. Actually, debatable. No, this movie I mean, sucks. Yeah, to be fair, that this is probably the first movie that we've gone like, oh, this was not a good choice. But I think we both knew that going in. I yeah. told So when we were when we were creating the episodes, because we, we like to plan ahead, I said we needed to watch some horror films for October to really like match the season and all that. And obviously last episode was not at all like October horror season E and then the next episode's not going to be like that either the, the the episode after that though there will be some horror I, I promise but it will also probably be released in November all right yeah true <laughs> anyway well I mean November at this point in time would be closer to October uh, uh 31st of October anyway so it'd be it doesn't matter I'm just I'm doing mental acrobatics to make it work so we I did this and there was a point where <laughs> You were like, Mitchell, I, do we really want to do this? I, th- I think, like, is there a reason why we're doing this? Because I don't want to watch this movie. And I don't think you do either. And I was like, no, you're quite correct, Max. I don't want to watch this movie. So you said, well, why are we doing this? And I said, well, I think it's going to be funny. It's really just boring. It's, it's not. Really it boring wasn't movie. funny. For, it wasn't funny. It was. I thought it'd be funny to laugh at. I thought there'd be stupid stuff. That nothing happens. There's nothing to laugh at because nothing happens. Generic face value plot stuff happens but it's so boring and nothing that it's not even like haha that idiot did that i think the funniest parts when the priest gets his neck broken neck snap which yeah, is not exactly. funny it's not even funny it's just like oh that's a classic twist on the original because the original person the devil twisted their neck but it didn't break a priest's neck that time i think what's actually the funniest part of this film is just the implied nature of basically they form the avengers of religion yeah, <laughs> to, to to do this exorcism, it's like we can't just do it with Christianity this time. This time we need other Christianities and then non non named, more spiritual style religion that might have an African origin. But I also and don't want to say like that meant to be like I I, I am going to tread around this very carefully. So I'm I just I don't know enough. Look- I was gonna look this up earlier and I I didn't, but the like sort of like a Creole I don't know if that's even the correct term to use anymore. Sort of like um what do you what do you call it? Like out of Africa not out of Africa. Like Caribbean slave community Cajun? Um pun? Not Cajun. Like yeah, but like that, I don't know. I don't know the terms, and I'm sorry. It's implied to be the some point, sort it, of African esque. Like it, it, it appears to be some sort of African religion, but it's. I don't. Be, I don't believe they said a name, and and I don't recall if they no. did. And I'm sorry if they did, and I missed it, but I don't think they I, said. I didn't. I didn't catch it if they. Did. I don't think they. Yeah, it's, it seems to be just very spiritual and it, very. It, it felt very generic in a way that felt like it was there in a way that's like uh sort of. Oh, look at this! We're doing a non-standard religion. We're like, yeah. look at look at what we're doing, and it's like this. It feels a little bit like pandering and a little bit racist. This just feels dumb. I feel dumb watching this because uh, it's okay. So, like, the problem with this film is the first film spends so much time pre 
uh, exorcism so that you get to know not only the the person who's going to get possessed, the mum who's going to be the most next uh, the, the most affected by the possession beyond the actual possessed person itself themselves. But not only that, but then you get also a really intense look at the person who's going to conduct the exorcism. So you get a few, like about three different main characters, the mum, the daughter, and the priest who conducts the exorcism. In this one, you look at the dad and the daughter a little bit, but a lot of a lot of the character development's done after the exorcism. So you don't really get to know the daughter at all. It's And you just see the dad in panic mode. You don't see him in... I'm a dad mode. Yeah, it's it's like as you're saying, you know, so to draw that sort of like Avengers of Religion comparison again, mm. um, it almost feels like and this is gonna sound incredibly stupid. I'm so ready. The the Avengers was sort of like as a film was like the culmination of all these other films where you already have the backstory and stuff like that, but yeah. it had this big cast of characters. This one just has a big cast of characters that you don't know. Like there are there are so many different characters in this film. There's the mum who's dead, the dad, the kid who's the possessed, the other kid who's possessed, her parents, her, parents, I think her, her brother and a, sister. Hey, like she has siblings. Um, there's the neighbor who's the nurse. There's the like the weird next door neighbor. There's the pr- like the priest, and then there's the Catholic priest, and then there's the then there's um, the, the mum from the, the original Exorcist film. And then, in it for ten minutes. Yeah, and then there's the the woman who does the like the other ritual, and yeah, it's like what's going on? There's so many people. There's so many characters. I don't know any of them. What's going on? I get like the, yeah, you you don't spend any time with any of, any of the characters people. to develop a relationship yeah. with them. The time you spend at the beginning of the film, where you sort of think you're going to be able to develop a relationship with them, are really just used to it's set up, set That's up. It. The, it's just set the, up, but like it, it's unnecessary setup almost. It's set up with no payoff. It's not like set up. It's not emotional or or character driven setup. It's just plot set up so that you know what's going on. And to top it all off, that it kind of like annoyed me the way that they structured that as well because the implication that you get watching the movie in the order that the movie is in is that the dad chose the kid over the wife. Yes. Right? That's the implication. Oh, sorry. So we'll, let's quickly just quickly like explain. In the start, when they're in, is it Havana? It's in Havana, yeah. Yeah, in, in Havana, the, the the main character, the dad, played by um, uh, Leslie O'Dom Jr., who I, I, I don't know why this is coming up a lot, but apparently he, was, he got his start in that show about the founding fathers, and it's really popular. Hamilton? That's the one. I couldn't remember its name for some reason. Yes, he's quite is quite well known. Yes. Well, I mean, I wasn't wrong. I just forgot the name. <laughs> anyway, I remembered the word founding fathers over the word Ham- Hamilton words. Anyway, he was in that. That's where he got his start. And everyone's bringing that up a lot. And so I wanted to bring that up a lot because I want to feel included. So, yeah, he and I think he's actually a good actor because even though I wasn't really buying in, I was still like, oh, when you're on screen, I don't hate myself mm. and this film like you're fine you're, he's doing, he did a good job with what he was given basically i can't say that for all the other actors anyway so he he and his pregnant wife go to havana because he's a photographer and he's taking pictures of culture and all that and it's all lovely dovey and then havana has a earthquake and the 
wife is in a hotel and it collapses when she's going down some stairs and she's crushed. And then he gets her to a, what's it called? Hospital, even. It's more like a relief center. It's not really Mm. an actual hospital. And the uh, doctors turn around and they say, look, we can only save the daughter or the wife. You have to pick one. Your, and your unborn away. child. Your, your unborn, unborn child, child, yeah. Or, or, or your, your wife. Your wife. And, and, and it cuts um, away and you assume he picked the daughter because that's who is there afterwards. Turns and, out, though, he picked the wife and the, but the daughter lived anyway and the wife died. I'm I'm going to, like, hardline, put a hardline political stance podcast. Interesting. The implication that he chose the wife, that's a bad, bad choice. It is made, it? well, it made me want to dislike the character straight away. Um, I mean, to be fair, you had like 15 minutes less than even to dislike him after that point. Because mm, it's taught so far at the end of the film. But um, the only thing we really, we get introduced to this character is the only big decision he makes frankly, in most of the film, is one that we don't actually see him make until the very, very end of the film. With the implication anyway. Yeah. With the implication being that he chose his unborn child. Now, I'm I'm gonna put up my hardline political stance. Yep. Uh, which is I think a real alive person is more important than a not yet alive person. I was really worried because you worded it kind of weirdly. And so I thought you were going to say he should never have picked the wife. And I was going to be like, hmm, that feels a bit odd, Max. No. I don't know. <laughs> no, I just like, I we were watching that. I was with my partner. We were in the cinema. We were watching it. And we returned to each other. And we went, this guy's a dickhead. This guy is a certified, bona fide asshole. So you actually were kind of like, oh, he picked the wife. Yeah. Thank goodness. It was that was that more what you got at the end? Like at oh, the he end, was actually, yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it, but it just like it sent up this character as for me personally, and like I am very well aware that other people have other opinions on things. You're talking about but the anti-abortionists. I am. I'm pro-life. Yes. Sorry, I should say pro-life. I very much felt like it made me dislike this character who I didn't know, and the only mm. that was the only thing I learned about that character for like ninety-five percent of the film, and. He is the main character in this film, frankly. Like, yes. He is meant to be the driving force. We're meant to care about him because his daughter's possessed. We're meant to care about him because his wife's died. We're meant to care about him because he ha- has a job that's hard, um, I Does guess. He? Well, he's like, there's the weird scene that exists for no reason where he's taking photos. Okay. Of the- Can I, you say weird scene where something was this and it's like a weird side characters. So David Gordon Green, he directed the most recent three Halloween films as well, along with Danny McBride, who wrote this movie and the other three. And David Gordon Green has this thing where he just puts in the most whack-ass side characters that you see for 10 minutes and then they disappear. 10 minutes at max, by the way. It could be less. So with, with this... I don't know if it's meant to say anything. I think it was just David Gordon Green being David Gordon Green. Um, I just feel like there's this one scene where we see him in the photography studio and he's like taking a photo of the family and the kid's upset. It's like, oh, yes, I can feel the deep meaning of a child being upset about having its photo taken. I like relatable kid. I get it. Um, He's so relatable. But 
I just like, I don't know. It felt really, inco- and then like the dad's unhappy and then the computer's glitched out and it's, oh, it's the devil because it made the computer bad or whatever. If, um, if my computer ever glitches out, I say, fuck you, Satan, get out of my computer. And then it doesn't because Satan's not real. But I feel like we should talk about like what the contention of this film is really like, what, or rather what the attempted contention of this film is and, and what it refers to in the title, which is uh, The Exorcist Believer. Do you believe in life after love? Which is- I'm a believer. I can leave if I try. Yeah, as soon as um we saw that the, I knew I was editing this one, I was like, I'm putting that in somewhere. The song, that song is going in somewhere. <laughs> this movie's so dumb, and the, the, the believer part, yeah. So, uh, what a lot of this film, or what you're meant to think a lot of this film is about, is about this idea of belief and how does an exorcism work if you don't believe in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ Jeebus based which we kind of get hinted at that he used to be religious and is no longer religious mm-hmm. but again it's unclear because we don't spend any time on it he gets it's like it's like some sidelines 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 it's some throwaway line sorry that he just goes yeah, yeah I, I used to believe in that shit and there's a whole bunch of like this expository dialogue about how like I've studied every every religion and every culture on the planet that has an exorcism, and it's about oh, from Linda Blair together. It's this is that from Linda Blair's character? Yeah, and I like I'm like, I'm sure that I will. This will come up again, but there is a lot of exposition in this film about exposition. how how to do an, how to do an exorcism and why you can't do an exorcism that way, and like it's just kind of weird. I mean, I guess basically what it comes down to is the power of friendship. Yeah, and so the whole thing is like, oh, you don't need to believe in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to do an exorcism. You need to believe in the power of friendship. And then it becomes, no, you do need to believe in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, or at least believe in something, or at least believe that the devil is actually possessing your children. But then you don't need to believe it because the devil is actually possessing your children. It's really like this weird mixed message where it's trying to say like, can you, like, what can you do in a situation if you don't believe, but then doesn't actually address that, but then pretends like it does? I have a quick question for you. In in the essence of, like, you know, believing and all that, what point in this film are you going, oh, my daughter is actually possessed? What, what are you deciding that's the case? I, so, like, you have to go, like, I think there's a little bit of time at the beginning where they're in the mental institute. Like she's freaking out. They go to the hospital. She's in the mental institution. She's all freaked out. I can mm. believe that because she's been lost in the woods for three days and has no sense of time. It's also kind of implied that a lot of them, they think she got, they got raped as well for like a yeah. while. Yeah. So I guess. Yeah. And then that sort of just gets like shoved to the side. And then well, cause it kind of, it's not true. They weren't. Raped. No, because, but like then it's yeah. I don't know. It's just it's a weird thing to bring up. It's it's odd to bring up if you're not gonna do anything with that. You're just gonna say, Oh, maybe they were raped and then not like go f- it's weird. It felt odd, yeah. The I mean I'm I'm struggling to pinpoint an exact moment because I think I've already started to try and block this movie out of my memory. But Quick, before it bl- completely bleeds out. I think it's when you get the cutting into yourself in words. Nah, I'm still not. I reckon she's still I, just um, disturbed. Well, I, I think don't, it would take a know. lot. I think it would take a lot 
for me to because, finally like, say, I, I, I think. I, but I think I'd be like questioning it. Like she can't help into the side of her, into the side of her stomach. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to start like doing a little bit more investigation into this. But the point where um she like her she is now has a different voice and can throw things around the room. Yeah, that's definitely devil. That's like, yeah, that's devil. That's devil possession. Yeah, once some she starts using telekinesis. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board with some, yeah. some something wrong. Yeah, but before then, it's the the carry rule. Yeah, as soon as I see random things being thrown, I'm a, uh, I'm like, yeah, that, that tracks. That's with, a devil possession. I, I've I've seen I've seen this before. I'm just saying that to make it seem like I know what's going on. I actually haven't seen this before, but I hope that the people in the room with me don't realize that. Were you scared at all by this film? There was one point. There was one specific moment that I was scared, not because it was scary, but mm. because it was an unexpected jump scare. Which one? And that is the Wait, snake. can I guess? Can I guess? Oh, the snake. Oh, Damn it. Sorry. The, I can't see which one I was going to guess. Yeah, sure. I was, I was going to guess the one where uh, he's in the bathroom and the lights keep getting turned off and on. See, I didn't find that scary. I can't, because I, I, at that point I knew like, oh, they're trying to do something. Oh, they're trying to do something. They're trying to set up for something. Oh, there's not really a payoff. It's just appearing, saying, did you say something? I was kind of like sitting there expecting that it'd be a jump scare. And as soon as I'm expecting a jump scare, it doesn't work for me. Oh, like, no. Sorry. The other one I was actually going to ask as well. It's not a jump scare, jump scare. It's the one when he puts her to bed. I think it's maybe right before that scene with the lights going on and off and right behind him you see the devil but it's like quiet but it's just there and it's and obviously the jump scare comes from the fact that the camera cut to that angle and it's just there but it's not like a loud that one got me just because i was like oh oh okay nah i i mean like for me i think for me to be really scared with film there needs to be that level of constant tension Mm. and the it's film just, just doesn't do that. And the no. only, again, the, this um, snake that I am talking about is there. Uh, it's one of the very first scenes of the film where they're in this like weird like sewer ruin. Which may be hell. May, it might be the entrance to hell. It might be the know. entrance it's to in hell. the forest. Mm. Um, and they're doing like their like fake ritual that doesn't work and connects them with the devil instead of Well, it mom. does work, just not exactly the way they wanted it to. And on like she, the um, main character, the character, the main possessed girl. I can't Which one? The, of, the um, one who gets jumped. Jumped. Like jump scared by the snake. The main character's daughter. The main character gets jump scared by the snake, dude. Does? That's when he picks up, because he, he finds her shoe. You're right. You are right. I. You don't even oh. remember which character's in the scene. <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry. So the the kids go missing and then they go to search for the kids like old school like oh let's go search for the woods for the kids and then he yeah. finds the shoe in the entrance to hell that's also a sewer and and he um, lifts up the rock up and the there's shoe, a snake underneath the, the, there's a snake underneath and I was yeah. like oh cool maybe this is something that could be brought up as like religious symbolism as like snakes because the apples snake, and shit the snake, yeah. snake and the apple and and the devil and no Mm-mm. for a movie for a movie that's so like we're going to talk about religion hips there was no there was almost zero religious sim- like symbolism and i just would have loved a little bit more but the scare from that genuinely comes from it's completely unexpected and i saw it coming 
I knew it was you saw it coming. Yeah, I scored yeah. second. Yeah, yeah. It's it a classic. It's a classic David Gordon Green moment. Right. He picks up the shoe and it jumps out, and I'm like, oh, I'm scared. Wait, no, that wasn't worth being scared over. The one that got me, I'm really disappointed. Why it got me as well? Uh, it's the one where she slams the window at the mental hospital after riding Reagan on the sill. It's when the mom's oh, there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It got me, and I knew it was happening. It was just—it's because it like kind of happened at the moment I wasn't expecting it to. I was expecting there to be a longer tension time, and so it got me. That's the only reason. And I, I went like that because it was also really loud and all that. For me, it's it's very much like those reason. Like I don't know, I'm reasonably good at it. It's very easy to predict a yes. lot of these kind of jump scares, and you can kind of go like this: the cut starts and you can like count it out one two three four five jump scare and like as soon as i start doing that it's not worth it for me anymore because and and there's two reasons for that one is like a i know it's coming and the whole point of the jump scare is you don't really know it's coming or there's something coming but you don't know what it is the other one is that because i'm already like pulling myself out of the movie i'm not like actually absorbed in the tension of it anymore and i'm doing something else i'm literally counting going one two three four five waiting for the jump scare because i'm like i know there's going to be a jump scare here and it's not scary because i know it's going to be here and it's not something that justifies like a real like scary moment yeah i also i want to talk about one scene though sure or specifically one line of dialogue that I feel like we might have to bleep out. All right. Is it the um, one with the C word? It is the one with the C word. So so this movie definitely intended for an American audience, right? Obviously, yeah. So when the devil from the Bible, sorry, I can't help that. I couldn't help that. We actually don't know because apparently other religions also work. So it could be from anywhere, honestly, at this point. So then when the devil from possible the Bible. The alleged devil from the possible Bible. The alleged devil from the possible Bible possesses the the white parents' girl. That was Catherine. such a weird way of saying that. Catherine. Catherine. Yeah. He, or he, the devil, Catherine, yes. is confronted by, again, I've totally forgotten the name because I Which there were too many characters in this movie. Reagan's mom. I only know Reagan because it was written oh, down. Chris, um, Chris McNeil. Yeah. Played by and, Ellen Burstyn. Burstyn. Yeah. And she's like confronting her and she's like, be gone, devil. Be gone, fuck! And then the devil turns around and is like, ah, you're never going to see your daughter again. And it was wait. You nodded your head, but you didn't say a word. What was sorry, the word? You were, you're never gonna see your. You're never gonna see your. Still daughter again. <laughs> say the word, Max. No. Say it. Say no, the line, Nard. I'm a good boy. <laughs> and um, I feel like it was very much a moment where I'm like, if I was, if I was a typical American moviegoer. I feel like I would be offended by this and and or the intention would be to offend me by this mm. and therefore make the devil a bad 
like bad. And the devil is bad because the devil is bad, right? Like that's the, the devil whole, said a naughty word. The devil said naughty word and the devil's bad because it said naughty yeah. word. Whereas I'm sitting in this scenario, I'm like, that is the worst delivery of that line I have ever heard. That is so funny. As an Australian, I'm sitting there going, oh, why are you saying hello to me in the middle of that sentence? <laughs> no, but it's like, it's delivered in such like the most like pointed way. Yeah. While also just being like completely out of place. And it just made it really funny for me. I was just like, hmm, I understand what you're trying to do. It doesn't work. The reason why they use that word is because that's, they, the, the devil uses that word in the original as well, but it's better. Because it's more like, oh my goodness, what? You said the word. Also, it's like for the 70s audience, not a 2023 audience. Yeah, I just feel like it was a very strange, like, huh, that's funny. It's actually a reference to the classic film, I'll have you know. Uh, it's just, it's so weird. It's like the, when you look looking at this film, because it's a legacy sequel, and I don't know how many, are you a fan of legacy sequels, Max? Do you, do you like them? I haven't engaged with a lot of legacy sequels. Yeah. I fundamentally struggle with the idea of legacy sequels a lot of the time, just because if I'm watching a legacy sequel a lot of the time, it's for one of two reasons. It's either I haven't ever engaged with the original series or I've deeply engaged with the original series. And when you haven't engaged with the original series, there's normally enough going on that like it, is fine, but then there's a whole bunch of references that you won't ever get. And sometimes that works out really well. And mm. I will point out to point out my personal favorite legacy sequel. Oh, can, um, can I guess? Can I guess? Can I yeah? guess? Tron Legacy. No. Fuck. Uh, it's actually not a movie. It's um Shira, Princesses of Power. A uh, Princess of Power, sorry, which is a legacy sequel to the original Shira TV show, which was written directed by i've totally forgotten their name um but they direct wrote nimona which we talked about on an earlier episode of the podcast but don't listen to that one it's bad um <laughs> i didn't have a good mic back then <laughs> so i think like cc equals can be done that way that's good where you don't really need to know a lot but otherwise the problem i have with legacy sequels is i'll have a piece of media that i really enjoy and i really enjoyed the original and maybe the sequels that came out after that, but then they've tried to reboot a franchise that I really enjoyed, and it's it often doesn't live up to the expectations that mm. that has. I was going to talk about Jumanji, but that's also not true because the Jumanji Legacy sequel is fantastic. That's a good. That's a good. That's freaking Legacy sequel. I, I, it's it's that's 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 like. <laughs> Gold S-tier. there. S tier legacy sequel. Uh, I mean, because like the one that I point to as saying it works is obviously the one that everyone points to to say it works, being Top Gun Maverick, probably the most mm. the most important and slash or successful legacy sequel that's actually come out to date. Mm. Which is actually really cool because it's made by the guy who did Tron Legacy, which I would say obviously there was those legacy sequels beforehand, but I think what really kicked off the legacy sequel would be Tron Legacy itself. Mm. It has legacy in the name and everything. I feel like yeah. In some way, that's what's kind of anyway. Point is, I like some legacy sequels. Uh I I liked the first Halloween recent films by David Gordon Green. But it's, with horror, it's just weird because you see, in the Halloween ones at least, uh the person, Jamie Lee Curtis, is in those movies. She's a main character and it it's directly tied to the effects that 
Michael Myers had on her, and then also Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Michael Myers is the same guy as before. With this film, they bring in the quote-unquote Jamie Lee Curtis film. Maybe what two thirds of the way through the film, mm. I, and and then she promptly gets her eyes stabbed out by a crucifix and then disappears from the film for like the she's rest. she's just in a hospital bed for the rest yeah, of the film. And she, and she maybe has magical powers as well because she can maybe sense an exorcism happening, but also I don't want to believe that was the case, and so I don't want to say that's what happened. It's it's really upsetting, like frustrating, because like you can see it being a, like, oh my God, it's the original actor playing the original character and at like... I'm not a long-term fan of the series, but if some if you are a long-term fan of the series, that's often a really like fun thing to happen where someone comes back and reprises a role or cameos or something in a, in a it's legacy a classic sequel legacy or a legacy sequel re- thing, or, yeah. or a reboot where someone will come in and, and and cameo. And it just felt like she started as someone who we felt like they were building around. There was a little bit of like, oh, uh, She's got this existing relationship with this like procedure, if you will. She has a personal connection with like what's happening. She deeply cares about it. She is a little bit like uh, uh, sort of clinical about it mm. in a way. Um, and then she just is promptly removed from the movie. And it kind of just feels like, oh, well, hi, I guess. Bye. She's like a dumbass than- too, right? Like, like it's it's dumb, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what happened? I'm sorry, I know I'm interrupting you, but like the way she is removed from the movie, it's like, oh, I'm going to stand directly near the person who's very much possessed and is currently the embodiment of actual evil. I'm going to stand directly next to them after what I said. The the prayer, the power of Christ compels you a couple times, and yeah, she's fully aware. In the first film, it took two different priests and both of them died for the freaking exorcism to work. Why does she think that what she did was all helpful? And why would she? Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's just so dumb. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. And a lot of this movie is like that, I think, realistically, is there's a lot of characters who don't do a lot. There's a lot of characters who do really dumb things. And they don't really explain why. There's a lot of things that are explained for no reason at all. And it makes a movie less interesting because of it. There's things that happen that just don't make sense. It's There's a point with where, where, where Chris McNeil, played by Alan Burstyn, says, oh, I wasn't allowed into the room to do the exorcism because of the patriarchy. No. You weren't allowed into the room to do the exorcism because you weren't trained in exorcisms and you were a liability because you couldn't protect yourself from the devil. You know what I mean? It's And, and, and it's like, what a call out, calling out the freaking, you know, Catholic church. Wow, you guys really did a good one on that. Top tier, like, satire and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, good job, every single white person who was in a position of power on this film. You, you really hit a... Oh. Can you? It's really insulting. <laughs> this film. It's really insulting. I might actually have to change my ranking because I gave it. I'm, I'm just gonna say right now, I gave it a one and a half. I think I hate it more now that I thought more about it. Um, I have one. I have a question for you, and this is maybe like less of a question about the movie and more of a question about like your theological belief system. Sure. Uh, yeah. 
And Go ahead. Again, this is completely contextless from the original movie. I mean, I, I already said I was an atheist in the last episode, but yeah, let's, let's <laughs> so, do this. So I was writing notes for this movie because I came out of the movie and I'm like, I know I'm going to forget this. My partner's like, you're definitely going to forget this. Write this down. Yeah. Um, and one of the notes I have written down here is I just fundamentally don't understand the idea of the devil, I guess. And sure. I'm, I'm going to explain this. So I'm not, I was never raised and you were never raised mm -hmm. in an environment where uh, the devil was talked about a lot. Um, Very true. I don't know anyone I think who actually believes in the devil. I don't think I know anyone who believes in the devil anyway, but um, the point is, is like I wasn't really, I wasn't um, raised in a Christian household. I, I, I know of the, devil from like media and talking about it in terms of like a literary context and like a theological context yep. but not as a like this is something i believe or have ever believed in and so the thing that i really struggle with with this film mm -hmm. and i think i don't know if it's necessarily a criticism of the film or a criticism of like this kind of story in general but my understanding of the devil is the devil is like both an embodiment of all evil, mm -hmm. but also like made to punish those who have sinned. Yep. Now I'm going to try and be brief on this because otherwise this is just going to go on forever. But sure. like I was in my brief religious education was taught that like, if a God exists, God is being that is almighty or power, like all powerful, all knowing and all, um, merciful sort of thing so uh the rate like one of the ways that i've come to understand at least the jewish tradition is that hell doesn't exist because like you like live and then you die and like whether you make good choice or bad choices whatever but god sort of exists in a way that is beyond our comprehension but also is inherently benevolent so god is inherently in a position to create the devil and the devil is bad Yep. But then God made the devil, so God is bad, but God can't be bad because God is good. Gotcha. So that's contradiction number one. And again, I think this is like potentially just a problem I have with like this as a concept and not this as a movie. But then if we say, okay, hypothetically, the devil for whatever reason is is bad and is meant to be like the embodiment of evil and is meant to convince people to do terrible things in the name of sin, right? Like in terms of like we talk about the original sin, we talk about uh, like the tree of knowledge and that sort of stuff. The devil in this movie doesn't do that. The devil in this movie is just a dickhead. I mean, arguably you could say that the dad, uh, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., he sinned when he picked his wife over the unborn child. And but then, and then, and then the other person sinned the other dad sinned because it's heavily implied he's a Trump supporter. But like, I, a, I think that's, that's a weak, um, it's like explanation. No, that, it's that a weak was, explanation. That was but, a joke. If anything else. I, I, yeah. <laughs> but like, even, even if it wasn't like, that's a really interesting st stance for the movie to take. Um, and yeah. again, like I think we've already, we've talked enough about how I think, this movie takes a really weird stance on everything, how it's approaching that specific scene and what information it reveals when. Mm, but yes, 
it just seems to me that the devil isn't doing anything in this movie. Like the devil is a character in this movie. And I mean, so there's the argument that I don't think this is actually the devil. I thought this was just like a demon or like a lesser creature. They say the devil a bunch, but I never, whatever they say, I'm the devil. I don't actually believe it. I always just assume it's some demon or, you know what I mean? Like, I just like, I, I'm, I'm working under the assumption that if they say they're the devil, they're the devil. Because in the original, it's not actually the devil. It's some other demon. And then, like, I haven't seen two or three, but I believe that the name of the devil comes, the demon that it comes out, and it's not, it's not the devil. It's some other creature. But, like, in this one, but, yeah. this one, in The Exorcist Believer. Do you believe in magic? Um, yeah. it's, it's explicitly referred to as the devil. And. All right. Sure. Yeah. And it just seems really strange to me that the devil is just going around like, ha ha, look at me. I'm possessing children. I'm looking, gotcha. I'm going <laughs> to stab you. I'm going to crack your neck backwards because you touched me on the head. Don't touch me on the head. No um, head pats, please. Mm, the devil doesn't like cuddling. Lor- lorem fam. ipsum something. That's Latin, right? That's just the generic. Oh, you mean like the generic Latin? Like, cause it's yeah, like that because, one. You, like, yeah. yeah. That's the like, filler. Yeah. It yep. was a joke about like Latin prayers, but anyway, um, oh. <laughs> I just I don't know, and I don't know if this is an issue in the like the original film, and from the sounds of things, it it it, it doesn't seem to be. But mm. I just find it very strange that it's like, uh, well, if like uh, there's all this stuff about like the devil is like evil and bad, and Jesus is good, and there's all the these scenes set in churches, and and it's like I'm the devil, but he's just kind of like. Like he does murders, and does he does like very well. He does a murder and some very violent things. But yeah, there's actually the only of- one death in this whole film. It's the priest who gets his neck. No, broken, there's I'm two deaths. Sure. Who's the second person? The second death is um the girl. I didn't count that one because she's likely to come back in the sequel. The like the one who died. Okay, so there's gonna be two more of these. Why? The next one's called Deceiver. To which I say, Deceiver, Belly Noah. What, the last one's called Receiver, and like it's it's about the devil going through phone lines or something? I thought it was going to be like, um, hold on. The the Exorcist Reliever. I am finally relievered of this Uh, series. It's just like a really long (laughs) P. I was thinking maybe the, the devil, um, the exorcist amoeba. The devil is actually just a microscopic organism. <laughs> the exorcist. I can't think of one. Damn it. Come on. Um, Malaysia? It doesn't panicked. rhyme. I panicked. I panicked, Max. The exorcist it- cantina. Oh, it's just it's, Star Wars. It's just oh, it's in a bottle the whole time. <laughs> it's like a genie, but it's in like one. Of those I was gonna say bottles. like it's in like it's like in a like a bar, like a bar in the it's about in alcohol. The Caribbean. It's about alcohol, and you shouldn't drink it unless it's being the blood of the Christ. The Exorcist Carabina. Ah, he it's goes about, rock climbing. climbing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the Exorcist going on. He's on his holiday. So he's the carabiner, the cantina, receiver. Actually, you know what? You said receiver before. That's why I'm looking on the phone. I disagree. That's actually a sports film. 
where the devil possesses a bunch of football players and you, then he has you know to how, you know how like Airbud turned into like all the like spin-off films yeah yeah like, we were talking about this the other day on not the podcast I'm, but like because i'm going to become the number one Airbud scholar of all time so I feel like we could do this. I feel like The Conjuring, not The Conjuring, that's a different series. The, Exorcist, the Conjuring could do this too, though. The Conjuring could do this too. But I think on that, The Exorcist should do this. It's like you got the main Exorcist film and then you got like a, the the second Exorcist film because like there's like Exorcist, the Air Bud 2. Um, yeah, he plays um, he plays uh, 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 soccer in the... Oh, hold on. Let me pull it up. I'm sorry. I'm still learning my, my Air Bud lore. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the the leading Airbud scholar quite. And yet. then, it, and then it spins off into all these like the buddies films. And yeah, I reckon that's yeah, what the, like these ones are. I think like the Exorcist, the Exorcist, Exorcist believer. That that's one of them. The Exorcist, and it, but it's all just going to be like different like themed films. So it's no, going to be like the sports Max, film, the the Max, rock climbing film. No, no, the, Max, 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 because the second Airbud is called Golden Receiver. <laughs> And he plays football in that one. Good, good, good job, gang. We came full circle. <laughs> the, exor- the Exorcist, Golden Receiver. He goes into a dog, and then the dog plays football, and someone says, there's no lore that a demonic dog can't play football. Ain't no rules that the dog can't play basketball. <laughs> oh, my God. The Exorcist. Uh, uh, what's a Scooby-Doo thing that's entered? Uh, um, the Exorcist. Come on. You've been better at this than I have. I just want to say, row, row. <laughs> it's just like demonic. I don't Scooby-Doo. think that's a Scooby Doo one. I'm sorry, Mitchell. You've disappointed me for the final time. Now I'm going to possess you. Honor, oh, no, I'm they, possessed. They, they didn't do the pea soup spew, which I'm disappointed in because they ripped everything else out of the um original. Why not rip that part out? They did black goo instead, which was not nearly as cool. They should have done pea soup. Also, um, rough that if my dad picked me to live and then I went to hell and I had no I had no uh attachment to that, I would be kind of irritated that I got the short end of the stick when I actually did nothing wrong except for try and help my friend speak to her dead mom and bring her peace. I, I feel like the that was meant to sort of be like, oh, don't make deals with the devil, but then like that wasn't really for the fact I that like so, so much I think so it was much just dumb. I, I but like for so much of this film was like stuff that like was sort of maybe implied and then not really explained. I feel like that was one of those moments where it's like I think they're trying to say like oh the devil's trickster and you better not do deals with the devil. That sneaky and, devil. He's so goofy. And and there's like oh well, but then like also there's the whole thing about like oh she got blessed as a unborn child and that somehow saved her but made the other girl die um did it that was like there was a whole like scene so when that like, when, like, I, like I saw the, 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 the like oh the yeah, ECGs yeah, yeah. are going and then yeah. like she's dead and then it's like they did the flashback to the like blessing scene at the start of the film i thought that was just coincidental honestly i didn't think there was really a plan there i <sighs> i i just there's so many things like loose floating was- elements of this film it was hard to believe that that blessing really did anything when the rest of the film was so just insane and not insane, uh, just dumb. It just, I don't, there, there's like little to no consistency with what is actually, like what actually works. Like I think the, the biggest issue is that you moved away from Christianity being the main focus of the film. I, I don't even know if it is that. No, I don't even know if it is that because 
like I think you can you can do a, a a movie like this. You can do an exorcist movie where you go, well, it's not inherently about being Christian. It's about believing, having like faith or like because that's sort of what they're trying to do, and they don't ever prove that anyone has faith. It's it's it's. I think the key issue is not from the idea that they're trying to come across, but like get across, but rather the fact that they've completely failed to execute it. My, my, it's not so much that I believe that it has to be Christianity for it to work. It's more that I think that you've built, you have a franchise here built on Christ, the, the Christian faith being what combats this evil. And then you go, Oh, really any faith can do it. I, it kind of creates this idea of like, it dilutes the evil in a way that just, I find it just makes it like, cause I think what what my issue is not so as I said not so much that it's the Christian faith that's not the Christian faith sorry it's that the rules no longer make sense and when the rules in a horror film don't make sense you lose a lot of the fear because that's that's like and that's like a classic thing because that's like what paranormal activity like screws around with its rules and you're like I don't know what's going on it, anymore and if you become not, confused not, you're not scared it's not just it's not just horror movies it's any movie with supernatural elements it's true but like horror films are the ones that kind of you talk about the most when it comes to this I, sort of thing i don't know i reckon a sci-fi film that breaks its conventions i will get as cranky about as a horror film that breaks its conventions but i feel like a horror film that breaks its conventions is something that comes up more often than a horror than a sci-fi film that breaks its conventions except for that one time everyone got pissed off about force healing but it, it, my point, my point is, is that just the, I think the, what, what, what I have an issue with isn't so much the inclusion of other religions. It's the muddying of the rules of what does and doesn't work mm. in this universe. And that makes this film absolutely nuts and stupid. Yeah. And we should just wrap this up because we're just repeating I, the same thing. Over I just want to, I know, I just like, I really, I, I know I keep like saying yes, but, but I really do. I really do think it's not necessarily that they couldn't have done like, no, I don't think it's a, like, I agree with your like dilution metaphor, but I, I think it's more just like there's this running theme through the film. And it's literally what the title of the film is, is the exorcist believer. Mm. And you're meant to, the story is meant to revolve around. And there's hints of this, these people having inherent faith in something. And I think, that's what the movie should have been about and whether that would have worked or whether that still would have had your the issue of of diluting what is truly effective against this particular evil is like up for debate but i i really feel like if this movie had stuck to its guns and went we are really going to drive home like this movie is not about christianity this movie is about faith and this we're going to demonstrate that these characters don't have faith and do have faith at critical moments. I think that would have made this film a lot better. Yeah. I think I just, what I think is really funny is that the movie really, really believes that that's the film it made. The one you just described mm. is the film it made because of that final uh, monologue from the nurse being like, we have to stick together and have hope. And you're just like, can you just end the film now, please? I want to go home. Speaking I'm, of ending the film. Yeah. Let's do end this. Our, do you want to give out scores? Yeah. I look, I'm pretty sure I should be ranking this lower than it actually rating this lower than it actually is, but my joke doesn't work if I change my rating. So I'm going to stick to it. 
I'm giving one and a half, which is how many good horror legacy sequels David Gordon Green has made. He's made four, but one and a half of them are good. I gave The Exorcist Believer one bad deal with the devil and one that was mid at best out of five. What was the mid one? Um, or am I putting you too much on the spot with that? that it was more just like, oh, it's a funny bit. Cause I'm saying like, oh yeah, the devil's mid. Um, let's say the one where he promises. It's like you asked to- for like to not have any more acne or something. And then he's like, ah, you won't have acne, but you will have tummy hair. Yeah. Like that's a horrible, just annoying. Like, like it's just more of an inconvenience. Yeah, because I can just like, shave I won't it give off. you acne, but I'm going to give you really bad blisters. And it's like, okay. Where? Where are the sure. blisters? Like on your feet. Oh, because I can hide that. If you replace the acne with blisters, then that's really frustrating because then my face is covered in blisters and that's annoying. Oh, yeah. I wasn't going to say like put blisters on your face, but like. Gross. I don't know. It's very, it's a, that's yeah, very biblical though, I guess, because like very like boils. Boils, know, the, yeah. The, the plague. Yeah. You know what would be cool in these movies is if, because obviously they need to amp it up, which is why they had two spooky girls in this one, unlike the first one, which only had one spooky girl. I don't think it made it more spooky, though. No, it didn't. But it's the idea is that the first one had one. Now we have to have two to make it more. What would have been cool is if they added, like, they were getting attacked by locusts or something, as in similar to the end of The Mummy 1999, when they're trying to run away from asteroids and stuff i maybe they should have just made the mummy 1999 maybe we should have just watch the mummy 99 can we do that can that be no we have plans we have plans what we're watching next <sighs> this has been the blockbusted podcast i've been mitch i've been max you can send us questions reviews and warranted hate mail at blockbustedpotty at gmail.com that's potty spelled p-o-d-d-i-e you can also find us on x formerly known as twitter instagram and TikTok at the username BB Potty. I changed it. I finally did it. Yay. So, yeah. Now we, now we just need to post things. One step at a time. One step at a time. <laughs> this week, I'm going to say you need to be nice to young women because they may kill you with demonic powers if you're not nice to them. I, I agree. I think we but should also be nice. nice to young women anyway, but this week especially nice because they may be demonic. Yeah. Do you reckon like I can be demonic too? How, give me like, like a like demonic like, face. Give me a demonic eh. face right now. Whoa! Oh my goodness. And, and, wait, and like, wait, how far can you poke out your tongue? Eh. Oh my and god, then, he's and a then, regular like, lizard. Like, eyes explode. Wait, why would my eyes explode? Demonic possession. Ew.